0: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. we got Jays jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s, John Brands, Joe Johnson's, John Raffs, of course. We've got Jays. We've got for days. Josh, how are you doing?
1: I almost feel like the college basketball schedule is what's telling me it's almost Christmas. It just doesn't feel like it, but this is always the big Saturday before things sort of calm down and now conference play is going to start. I feel like this is, I don't know. Usually I i feel more Christmas energy and I don't know, but this day is always amazing on the college basketball schedule. And it's a reminder that, yeah, we are in fact halfway through December and Christmas is, you know, just over a week away.
0: Yeah. We used to have, you know, the week that we had last week where basically nobody plays each other and then this Saturday and then another seven days, that's just that kind of how it used to be when most teams were playing 18 game conference schedules and a lot of the conferences didn't start playing until, you know, there were a lot of conference games on like December 30th or December 29th, 27th,
1: 28th. Yeah.
0: Right. And now that we play 20 conference games because every conference has a million teams in it, they have to start playing conference games. You know, on December 20th before Christmas, you have to get one in if you still want to play conference championships in the first week of March and still want to have the national championship game in the first week of April. So it's uh, it's, there's not as much of a pause as there as there used to be. It feels like I mean, that kind of two week stretch with one day in between really was like a, you know, Sunday of last week was solid saturday sunday and then there was four days and then on friday you had gonzaga and yukon and then of course what we'll talk about you know there and what happened on on saturday so it's a uh, it you're right it's also you also felt like you could take a breath after this kind of december 18th mm. 19th saturday that we have before before you know then you have christmas and then you really get into it after christmas but uh we are hours away at this point from from the beginning of conference play pretty much across
1: the board yeah everybody's kind of taking monday off to re rejuvenate and then tuesday we hit the ground running.
0: indeed indeed we got five games that we're going to talk about today just kind of bounce around uh mainly from a big saturday in college hoops but where we're going to start is in the Pacific North, Northwest the P in W the Continental Tire Seattle Tip-off sure uh, where number 5 Yukon took on number 10 Gonzaga the Huskies are now 10 and 1 on the season after a 76-63 win over Mark Few's Bulldogs if I'm if I'm keeping count correctly Josh that is the second double digit win for the Huskies over the Gonzaga Bulldogs, over the Zags uh, in this calendar year. They met on March 25th in the NCAA tournament. That did not go well for Gonzaga. This one more competitive than that 82-54 game was back in March. But nonetheless, a UConn team that I think we all went into Friday thinking was better than UConn uh, proving just that in Seattle on Friday night.
1: It would have been difficult for it to have gone worse. So, yeah, that NT turning game is kind of a disaster.
0: <laughs> Indeed.
1: But, uh, yeah, that there's not too much to dive into here. The better team won. Donovan Klingon was really, really good. The no. couple of things for me on the Gonzaga side: when Graham Ek, and Nolan Hickman are not playing well, they're going to have a hard time beating the best teams in the country. Yeah. Anti-Watson, Ryan M. had 35 points combined. So that's over half of your scoring. It's just not enough. They need everybody playing at a high level if they are going to. They're clearly very good. They're probably better than generally people expected. They're clearly the class of that conference because St. Mary's has fallen apart here. Maybe they get it together and make a run of the conference title. We'll see. But as of now, they're clearly above everybody else as they always are. But this is not a, where does Gonzaga rank among the best teams in the country? This is a, does Gonzaga even belong in that category? Which is not typically the case. It's kind of a strange spot.
0: They've played two teams this year that they would normally be in the conversation with in Purdue and Connecticut. And they've looked like a team that's just not on the same level. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Which is fine. That's not the way, you know, very few programs, almost zero programs. And I think maybe we forgot about that with Gonzaga after the last you know five or so years. I mean, you could even go all the way back to 2017 with the Nigel Williams Goss team. This run for Gonzaga has been uniquely elite, even for a program like Gonzaga. And like you said, like this Gonzaga team's probably a little better than they get credit for, which is interesting because. There are probably some years in there where those teams weren't as good as people thought they were. And this team probably doesn't get the benefit of the doubt the way that even last year's team did. And, and that's okay. They just don't like they either have like a truly elite starting five in Spokane, or they have such a good group of guys that Andrew Nimhardt is coming off the bench. Right. And they have neither of those things this right. year.
1: And Steel Ventures immediately getting hurt did not help with that because right. that's taken a, a major piece out of that rotation and putting more pressure on everybody else. Yeah.
0: Right. And so now you have to slot a guy like Dusty Stromer in there who is fine, you know, at six and a half points, 4.3 rebounds, 1.5 assists. He's not shooting it well at all. And, but he'll, if he's, he will eventually be a very good Gonzaga player. I, I think um, as we get deeper, I mean, eight, Eight and six is, you know, he's being an impactful freshman, but a Gonzaga team that was having would would have the best year possible, uh, would have had a guy like him coming off the bench. And, you know, of course, the the bench in this particular game is, you know, is two of seven from the field. Really, you only had two guys come off the bench. Uh, and in this particular year, the elite of the elite in college basketball have a dominant big man. And that's something that Gonzaga has had for years now. Um, you know from a couple different iterations, you go from Brandon Clark to the big man that was on the 2017 team. I forget. Yes. Thank you. Um, and then of course you go into drew Timmy, who's one of the best big men in Gonzaga program history, uh, Chet Holmgren, of course, sprinkled in there. And they don't really have that this year, this year either. I think they're clearly very good. And to your points, they're going to, they might not lose. And which would be interesting yeah. that this is probably, this is pretty easily the, Worst Gonzaga team of the last five years. And I like they probably have. They have a pretty pretty good chance of of going undefeated in the West Coast conference right now, based on what I've seen from who was supposed to be the other teams kind of nipping at their heels once we get to conference play.
1: Yeah. UConn side real quick. It's a really good sign that you can be that good and Tristan Newton scored nine points. It's of kind of course, backed Tristan, into a
0: traditional point guard role,
1: you know. Right, Tristan Newton obviously can go score thirty when he needs to, but this is the balance of okay, when they got to expose a team that doesn't have a lot of interior. Uh, well, Graham is supposed to be that guy. When Graham Eke doesn't have a good game and not much of an impact, and Donovan Klein gets to go to work. Donovan and respectfully,
0: Graham Eke is six nine. It's just yeah. different.
1: Yeah, yeah, that part of it too and got to go to work all of a sudden you don't need Tristan Newton they can kind mm-hmm. of share that load you have multiple guys they're so well balanced that was the other thing that stood out to because Newton has been so good in most of their big games so far they didn't need him in this one because everybody else got the job done and he just did his thing took right took care of the basketball made some plays but didn't need to go score 20 points
0: the last question I have about UConn the very last question is is Donovan Klingens like I knew Donovan Klingon could dominate a game like this when the biggest guy on the other team is 69. I knew yeah. that. Yeah. Um he's 3 of 7. He was 3 of 8 from the field against Kansas and 3 of 7 from the field against North Carolina. Uh, uh first team All-America caliber big men on those two teams. Um of course the the you know the the matchup against Hunter Dickinson is probably uh even more interesting but when like he is the headline and when they go up against teams like uh, the great blue jays that have a guy like Ryan Cochran I'll be curious how effective he is against a team like Marquette where also Iguodaro is not the type of big man that like it, it's just not he like he just doesn't have like obscene size the way that some of those other big men do Um that's my last question Uh how Klingon And it's more of a March question than anything else. Mm -hmm. But like at some point, UConn's probably going to run into a team with an elite big man if they're going to go to the final four again. And it might, they might need Klingon to just like be awesome against another awesome big. We haven't seen that yet. That's fine. Like I said, it's December 17th and he was, he had the warm soft blanket of playing behind Adama Sonogo last year. So like this is a learning process, but um, that's my last, like, real thing that I can point to in terms of okay, what are the reasons why the Huskies can't go back to back this year?
1: Yeah, well, it's also a Big East question, I would argue, in terms of how do they stack up with Creighton and Marquette?
0: Sure, but we also watched UConn struggle in yeah. the Big East last year. <laughs> I don't really care what they do in the Big East. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They looked. They. Then, they literally forgot how to win a game for three weeks in the middle yeah. of conference play, and, and then, then we're still clearly the best team in the country in March.
1: Right. Yeah, I just do. I do think that could be one of the things that ends up determining who wins the Big East regular season is whether Klingon can deliver in those games specifically against those two teams with two different matchup situations there, as you were laying out.
0: Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. Um, Connecticut, they roll 10 and one. The only losses on the road at Kansas. Uh, They beat Gonzaga 76 to 63 in Indianapolis. By the way, did you see that the last time that Purdue beat a number 1 team was like 30 years ago in Indianapolis against Arizona?
1: I did. It was 2000, right? I think.
0: How crazy is it that like saying almost 30 years ago when it was 2000 is like not like it's still a semi ridiculous thing to say but like it's been 24 years. That's right. that's that's a little alarming. Anyways, Number three, Purdue. Number one, Arizona. Gamebridge Fieldhouse, the Indy Classic. I mean, you can tell me that this was a better game than the potential Notre Dame versus Butler game that you would have gotten in the Crossroads Classic. Whatever. But um, instead, you get this one. It was a 92 84 win for Purdue. Um, we'll get into this game specifically here in just a second, Josh. But here, uh, so he- here's what Purdue has done. In this season where people are like not totally convinced by right. Purdue and were like, Can what's wrong with Purdue? Can they win a national championship? What's going on? Um, here's what they've done since November 6th. Um, they beat Xavier 83 to 71, they beat Gonzaga 73 to 63, they beat Tennessee 71 to 67, they beat Marquette 78 to 75. Uh, they in very big 10 on the road at Northwestern Fastern, lost to Northwestern, they beat Uh, And now they've gone on a three game streak where they've beaten Iowa by 20, Alabama on a neutral in Toronto, and now Arizona 92 to 84. Um, According to Kempom, they are third in the country in strength of schedule. Um, They are 10 and 1. They are absolutely, um, they are an absolutely elite college basketball team. And when you get the shooting from, Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith, like you did yesterday, there is not, and I and I mean this with my whole heart, yes. there is not a team in the country that can beat Purdue when those two guys play like that.
1: Yeah, 100%. This is the flip side to the fact that they are always vulnerable if they don't shoot the three well, and if they turn the ball over no matter who they're playing. This is what I've been saying from the beginning of, what happens if they make their shots.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not that Arizona played poorly. There are some things that I would have liked to see more of, and we'll get to that. But <laughs> this game was just, and I know Arizona did kind of claw their way back into it, but it was basically over at halftime because Fletcher Lawyer and, and specifically Fletcher Lawyer couldn't miss. I'm right there with you. They can just reach a level, and this is why I continue to believe in them, that nobody else can reach when they are playing well. And even their playing terrible nearly beat a borderline top 25 team on the road in big 10 play there's just no reason to freak out about that it happens now there's a different conversation about march as we always keep saying don't need to of that here but that was what i was thinking about well i mean they had three players score more than nine points they scored mm-hmm. 92 <laughs> and i actually kind of like the balance of the guards because Braden Smith has been consistently good and Fletcher lawyer Uh, just
0: stop. Stop. Braden Smith's been great.
1: Great. Not good.
0: Braden Smith is an all American caliber guard thus far. Fair enough.
1: He's been, he's been great. Sure. Fletcher lawyer. You just kind of don't know what you're going to get, but when you, when it happens, he's scoring 25 and then it's just kind of game over. He's had some bad games. He's had some good games, but that balance of, You feel really good about Braden Smith, and you know what Fletcher Lawyer can give you on any given night. Plus, of course, you've got Zach Eadie. I still remain incredibly confident in this team. They're the best team in the country. The one thing I will say on the negative side of this, and I said this even coming out of last season, I think. If I am playing these guys, I am putting as much pressure on the ball as I possibly can. I am throwing them different defenses. I'm doing whatever I can to mess with the rhythm and to mm-hmm. disrupt what they are doing. Because Arizona went to that 2-3 zone. It worked. They pressed. They got some turnovers. That's part of the reason why they were able to make that run to get back in the game. Because you saw the bad decision-making again. It is still there. But if you don't actually make them make tough decisions all the time and make them continuously think and put pressure on them, they're going to pick you apart. And it doesn't matter how good your defense is, they can still score 90 points on you because they're just that good when they're hitting shots.
0: It's really hard to do that for 40 minutes.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that's part of the pressure they put on you, right? Right. That's why they're so good.
0: I don't, um, I don't, I don't have a ton more on Purdue. Like this, like I think like i don't think anyone's like braden smith in my opinion is is about four levels better than he was a year ago in terms of like a, like a year ago braden smith could be like they could part the red sea for him to the basket and he still would hesitate to go score the basketball yep and that wasn't the, like fletcher lawyer has been confident in his scoring abilities whether yes. he should or not on every single night <laughs> correct since he stepped on to produce campus Yes. So him going out and scoring 27 in a big game and then saying something to the effect of it's difficult to score like that when you're not athletic. That's basically yeah. what he said in the post game and that was that's hilarious. Um Brayden Smith was not capable of putting 26 mm-hmm. up a year ago and yep. he is this isn't the only time he's done it. I mean, he put up 26 against Arizona, he put up 27 against Alabama and he's now scored in double figures in all but two of their games. One of them was a win against Tennessee, where Zach Edey and Fletcher Lawyer combined. I was saying, for that was the other Fletcher Lawyer game. Yeah, sorry, sorry, fifty combined for fifty. Fletcher Lawyer had twenty-seven, Zach Edey had twenty-three, so they didn't really need him to do that in that game. And the other game in which he only had he had two points and a twenty-one point, nineteen-point win over Iowa, where I'm just I just don't really care. He had eight eight assists and one turnover in that game. Like that's. Like, you just don't need that much to beat Iowa this year. And the other four guys in the starting lineup were all in double figures in that particular game. So, like, I just don't – I'm to the point with Braden Smith where I – like, I think he understands the context of his role with the ball in his hands. Of course, there are some decision-making things that need to get better. Really just decision-making when he's flustered – like, I mean, it's really, it's not all decision-making. It's just decision-making when it's flustered, which is the most important decision-making. It's like saying that a quarterback makes great decisions when it's not third and eight. Like, I need you right, to make good the decisions. Coming. When, yeah. Right, I need you to make good decisions when it's third and eight. Um, But I just, I think he's shooting it incredibly well. 47.5% from the three-point line. That's top 70 in the entire country, individually. Um, I just don't think we're going to have a game this year where Zach Edie has 24 and nobody else has more than nine. I, I think Braden. I think Brayden Smith, whatever happened in this off season, whatever, however, Matt painter got to his head in a good way that I think Braden Smith understands the context of what his role needs to be when it needs to be there this year. And, and I think that's, I think that's a good thing. Um, obviously it's a good thing, but yeah, playing two teams with explosive offenses like like Alabama and Arizona do and Braden Smith combining for 53 against those two across those two games, that's um I think that's a real thing and of course a lot of these things we can't get the final answer to until March, but those are part those are some of the reasons that you can maybe believe that when they aren't shooting the ball especially well against some mid-major they should never lose to early in the tournament that maybe they won't lose to him this year, because clearly the issue is not the elite teams that they play. Mm -hmm. They have no issues beating the best teams that they play. They don't lose to elite teams in March, which is part of the frustrating part. They don't lose to those teams. The only team they've lost to in March that they should have lost to in the last five years won the national championship and and they probably shouldn't have lost and they should have beat them. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. that's cl- That's not the issue here. Um, the issue is making sure that they have systems in place to not lose a silly game that they shouldn't. And Braden Smith, understanding when it's time for him to take some control and be really aggressive as a scorer off of a pick and roll, that's um, that's one of those systems that can be in place.
1: You're absolutely right that his his approach and his mindset is totally different. And it is I haven't gone reasons. back
0: and looked, but I want to see like how many more shots he's taken at this point mm-hmm. this year than last year. I haven't gone back and looked yep. yet, but I'm sure it's significant.
1: And Matt Painter's been very transparent about that. We need him to take more shots.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's what he's doing. Yeah. Yep. It, 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 they're just a better team. They are a significantly better team than last season. I firmly mm-hmm. believe that. I think you're right. And I'm on good. the Arizona side, it's problematic with those guards when you don't win the guard battle.
0: <laughs> sure. They're not going to lose it very many times, but no. they did on so they did on Saturday.
1: And it's not necessarily because the guards were bad. I mean, Caleb Love was Caleb Love has been really, really good this season, and he was really good in this game. Now the problem. He also was,
0: made were, a couple of the shots that he always takes down the stretch. There were a couple yep. that I was like, "Yep, that's Caleb Love shot." Yep. Uh, several yep. of them went in, but but yeah, he's been. I have no neg- I have no negative things to say about Caleb Love. On
1: this, the one on that this struggled podcast. was Kyle and Boswell.
0: Yeah.
1: And usually that's more than enough what they got because you had two guys combined for 53, mm. but the rest of your starting lineup had 29. You got two points off your bench. Again, that is not good enough to beat Purdue when Purdue's guards are playing that well, Right. because you don't really have an answer to Zach Eadie. So that, that was the other thing I wanted to point out that, Again, it's not like Arizona played poorly, but they had important players who didn't have great games. And you can't really say that about Purdue because their three most important players were all phenomenal.
0: Yeah, and just real quick for Kylan Boswell, I mean, that was really the first. Yeah. Like like at some point everybody's gonna have one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. oh, he's been against, sensational. Like yeah. at Duke, he was he might have been the best guard on the floor. Yeah. In a game that had Jeremy Roach, Caleb Love, Pell Larson, and I don't know who else is on who else was in that game. But like the, just those three guys, like Calvin Boswell was the best guard on the floor um, and has been rock solid in all of, of Arizona's other big games. Yeah, you're going to have one at one point, but that's a good point that... That, you know, the 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 floor that comes with Umar Ballo is really high. It's perhaps not... But it's not quite as high as it was last year when you also had Tuba. like the way that you could dominate a game on the interior. That's just again they have an elite backcourt it's probably it's one of the best three in the country if not the best um but you're right on this particular night they were not they did not win that battle and and um they just didn't quite have enough
1: it almost further validated to me though that they really are this good there i continue to be willing to move their ceiling up higher and higher that I just didn't think they had the firepower to hang with the best teams in the country. And I'm being forced to admit that I was just wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, because nobody's winning this game. They probably came as close as you could to winning this game. You're just not beating Purdue when Purdue plays that well. It's that simple. Yeah.
0: Purdue in Indy, 23 years removed from their last win over a number one team in the country, Beats a number one team in the country. The same number one team in the country. 92-84. Death taxes. And Matt. Painter. All right, Josh. How... If if I asked you to tell me... If if I asked you to, to go through the list of games from Saturday and asked you to pick a game that was going to be 24 points in the direction that you weren't expecting. How many times, how many games would you go to before you got to Michigan state beating Baylor 88, 64? Maybe that's not fair because that would probably like fit that criteria pretty. Yeah. I was going to, but, but, Maybe maybe the best way to do it to, to say it is this. If I said, okay, there's a game that's gonna end 88-64, how many times would you have to guess before you got to Michigan State beat Baylor, Baylor 88-64? Right.
1: I saw Seth Davis say, I'm not surprised by the the actual score. I'm surprised at where the teams ended up on the scoreboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean I would have picked I, I probably it would have been the second last one I picked after Kansas IU of the games we're going to talk about here. Hmm. Maybe, maybe I would have considered Yukon, con
0: Maybe. Yeah, maybe that's fair, but well, those that's would be happened. the only ones. Yeah. Well, that's what happened at little Caesars arena in Detroit, Michigan on a neutral court, neutral ish. Does, does Kim Palm have it semi home. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a semi. I would hope game. so. <laughs> Let's see. Let's find Michigan state. It was a semi-home game, yeah. so fine. Semi-home game at Little Caesars in Detroit. Tyson Walker had 25. The ghost of A.J. Hogard showed up with 14. Um, he had some some actual contributions from first-year players. Uh, you shoot the three ball extremely well. Eight of 12 from the three-point line. 63% from the floor. And 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 for the first time this season, it looks like the Michigan State team that was advertised before the year began. Uh, no matter how you spin it's a, a a striking victory for the Spartans.
1: It's amazing what happens when you make shots. I mean, they just haven't made shots out of Tyson outside of Tyson Walker all season, mm-hmm. and they made shots and. It was the 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 obvious question coming out of this is right, is everything fixed? Is this the turning point? Are they gonna look like this the rest of the season? They're gonna now become the team everybody thought they were supposed to be. Not quite there yet.
0: Do it twice. And then I'll consider having the conversation. Sure.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm I'm with you there. I don't think we need to overreact to this, but from a resume standpoint, this was incredibly important. Because at some point you have to make up for the fact that you don't really have any wins of note because you've lost all I mean, schedules really good, but they lost all of them. And for the fact that you're 0 and two in big 10 play. At some point, no matter how good your schedule is, you have to actually win games.
0: Pom has them projected to go 19 and 12 and finish 11 and nine in the big 10 right now. I would be surprised if it's if it ends up that bad. But if it does end up that bad, having a win against Baylor might be the difference between you not getting into the tournament and you getting into the tournament. Right. Oh, I 19. think
1: if they get I think if they get to 18-19 wins, they'll be fine because of the schedule.
0: But I mean, if they lose this game and go 11 to 9 in Big 10 play, I wholeheartedly
1: disagree. Right, right, right. I was talking after this game. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's the point. Yeah. That that was right. the point.
1: Right, right, right. 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 Yeah, yeah. that this is now the thing to build your your resume around, right? That it gives you a little bit of breathing room that, okay, we just need to be in the 500 ballpark in Big Ten play and At least we're going to give ourselves a chance heading into the tournament. Yeah. Which is doable even at 0 and 2. And just to get some confidence and go, oh, we really can be this good. <laughs> maybe we're, maybe people weren't completely wrong about us. That part of it too.
0: Yeah. I think the biggest takeaway. F- from for me here is that it's in there somewhere yep because it didn't look like it was in there yep like it's one thing to start slow you know like tennessee is eight and three and at one point was four and three but not for a single second had did i debate whether or not it was in there right I still think Tennessee. And after they finished, they left Maui four and three with losses to Purdue, Kansas, and North Carolina. I still thought that Tennessee had a like was capable of a Final Four run.
1: Yeah, right. Nothing has changed. They just Nothing. lost some close games to really good teams. Yeah,
0: right. And then they, you know, they have a win over Illinois. They have a win over NC State. It's eight and three, top seven at Kempom, And like as they like, continue to look like a team that could go to the Final Four. Michigan state went from a team capable of going to the final four to a team that I was questioning whether or not they were capable of making the tournament period. And I don't say this to say that now I think that Michigan state can go to the final four again. We'll have to, we'll hold off on that one. But this is like, there wasn't a performance in the vicinity In the like you would like we'd need to take a three hour drive from the second best performance of the year for Michigan State to get to this performance. So whether or not it's sixth around, like if you told me that that this was the jumping off point, I'd be okay, sure. If you also told me that this was they caught lightning in a barrel one time and they're gonna finish 19 and 12, I'd also like, okay, sure. It could be either Mm -hmm. one. But but I like i wasn't sure that the ceiling that we had heard about for this this Michigan state team existed even kind of yep and on saturday we were shown that it it does indeed exist it just it's a, just a matter of how many times over the next 3 months can we can we get anywhere close to that ceiling
1: yeah i don't know if i've ever seen scott drew that frustrated Maybe you can count the number of occasions on one hand, at least recently, in the past mm-hmm. decade or so. Mm-hmm. Jaden on and RJ De- Ray J Davis six turnovers apiece. We've brought this up before. They defensively, they're not what they used to be, which means your offense has to be really good. Mm-hmm. They have the talent, obviously. There's a reason that they were undefeated in top. What were they, 6th in the AP poll?
0: Uh, They were 6th in the
1: AP poll, yes. Yeah. There's a reason for that. But this is the vulnerability, and you don't have a way to fix it other than taking care of the basketball because you can't win games 68-64. Yeah. Right, they needed to be able to score in the 90 range to have a chance because Michigan State was shooting the lights out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and instead they turn the ball over a bunch they just continue to feed the momentum they let cohen cargo have a spectacular dunk in transition and it just completely fell apart in the first half that's that's my one hesitation with this team is and this is just one of my things because we were talking about it with purdue too but at least purdue has some other alternatives here baylor mm-hmm. is just very built around this offense at this point and built around the guards you can't have him turn the ball over six times a piece.
0: Yeah. I had, this was a thought that I had against Auburn actually.
1: Yeah. I think that's when we talked about it. Mm -hmm.
0: About, about Ray J Dennis in particular. And then he went and he had like the best game of the season against Florida. And, but like Baylor's just kind of been beaten up on teams. They're supposed to beat up on since that Auburn win. And, 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 Ray J. Dennis, like you look back on that game, and that game looks like 15 points on six of 10 shooting, seven assists. I'm oh, sorry, no, two assists and seven turnovers. So, like, if you're just like glancing, that doesn't jump off the page. If you look a little bit deeper, he looked like overwhelmed in the first half of that game. That's and I and it's kind of not something that's needed to be to be talked about because like he just also he's made a college basketball living on on beating up on other mid major guards. So it's definitely something I'll be looking at as we get into as we get into big 12 play is is if those guys continue to grow up when it comes to facing high major guards night in and night out.
1: Yeah.
0: Last thing on Michigan State. Um, part of the reason this is so frustrating is like Tyson Walker is so good that you just don't need anybody to be spectacular. Like you just right. don't like, like AJ Hogarth. I made the joke about the ghost of AJ Horgard showing up when I, I, that that's the tune of 14 points on five of 10 shooting. Like that's, it's not like he went nine of 12 from the field and was five of six from the three point line. And like, I like just anybody off the bench. Like that, you got a lot of contribution off the bench. But like when I'm talking about, hey, how about freshman year, Xavier Booker? Can you like impact the game in any way? I don't need you to have like 16 points and four blocks and eight rebounds. How about seven points on three of three shooting? I'd love for Xavier Booker to have like to not go over in every other category.
1: I hope he gets but, more minutes. I'm but, I'm not exactly understanding what Izzo's doing with that.
0: But it's like like they looked like this, and like Jaden Nakins, nice Soko and Malik Hall were two of two, one of two, and two of six from the field. Like, like Tyson Walker is one of the ultimate like floor guys in the game this year. He's yep. going to be there every single night. He had 25, 5, and 4, 9 of 16 shooting, 4 of 4 from the three-point line. You get one or two guys on the bench to like give you somewhere between eight and 11. Um, you know, Carson Cooper had eight. And Trey Holloman had 11 and was two for three from the three point. Like, like th- that's the thing with Michigan state that was so frustrating was like, I don't need AJ Hogarth to be an all American level of guy. You've got that guy. I just need guys to be consistent, to make your open shots. And for like the collectively just enough to like lift Tyson Walker enough because he's going to show up and he's going to show up in big games. He's done it every, like literally the entire time he's been in East Lansing and he did it again against Baylor. He just needs like we just need the rest of the guys to be solid. Like find four guys every game among the like nine guys that you have that are like division one high major caliber college basketball players to show up and you're probably gonna win a good amount of games because Tyson Walker is that good. Yeah.
1: You just can't have him be the most important player in the country. Right. That cause there's one the only one
0: guy large. cause there's only one guy in the country that's capable of being the most important player that's capable of being the most important player in the country. Yeah. And even that guy's team looks fresh is frustrating when the yep. rest of his teammates don't look good. Yep. 88, 64 at the little Caesars <laughs> at the mid pizza arena. Um, moving on Kentucky 87, 83 over North Carolina, The freshman Kentucky experience continues in case you're not keeping count. The Kentucky Wildcats are eight and two. They have wins over Miami of Florida in a 22 point fashion. They have a win over North Carolina on a neutral. They almost beat Kansas on a neutral. And they also have a loss to UNC Wilmington. And they also needed overtime to beat St. Joseph's the the freshman experience continues on Saturday. It was awesome. 87, 83 at the CBS Sports Classic Shout Out. Um, you had four guys in double figures. All four of them are freshmen, uh, 87, 83, uh, and Calipari's Wildcats uh continue to be uh must see television in in 2023. I'm sold. He's sold, ladies and gentlemen. I'm all He's in sold. on this team. He's all in on this team.
1: It's funny because I think Cal is very, very smug about this. That he gets right Because he gets irritated when people question him and everybody wants him fired because they're not winning national championships every year and all the stuff that comes with being Kentucky's coach, right?
0: <laughs> Some of it is fair, but content.
1: Yeah, sure, 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 sure. We don't need to get into that conversation. I'm just saying that's where Cal is coming from. And some of the comments coming out of this game, things like, I feel pretty good about where we're at. He knows Mm -hmm. he's got something. He is very, very pleased with what this group, what he thinks he can get out of this group. That's not something you could say in years past, the last Mm -hmm. couple. They also just look like a much more modern basketball team, (laughs) which is a very strange and basic thing to say.
0: But they're 23rd in tempo, They're, they're fifth in three point shooting. They are top 55 in the country in assist to field goal, uh, assist to field goal made percentage.
1: Super athletic.
0: Super athletic. Yeah. They do a lot of things that freshman, that freshman, um, freshman built teams don't. They, they, they typically don't do that. They do a lot of struggling from the three point line at the next level. They do a lot of turning the ball over, typically, not just Kentucky, just like, Freshmen yeah. Yeah. teams that lean on freshmen a lot in general, uh, this Kentucky team does none of those things.
1: And there was, I think I, Cal even said something after the game about somebody asked something about getting these bigs implemented. We'll get to them next, but yeah, how that's going to work. And he goes, you think we're going to stop running? We're not going to stop running. That's what you have to do now. You've got to be able to space the floor. you got to have three mm-hmm. point shooters. Yeah. And I went, where was that philosophy the past two seasons? <laughs> no clue. <laughs> well, now, again, the
0: answer to that question is probably we had Oscar Sheboy, <laughs>
1: right? And Aaron, right, Aaron Bradshaw is a very, very different kind of player than Oscar Sheboy. Yeah, really impressed with him. This is the reason I'm sold. Mm. I wanted to see what this looked like with the bigs, and it's not all there yet. They've played all of one game with two thirds of them, so this is going to take some time still. And he needs to, of course, like every freshman, learn to play defense without following. That was an issue that basically kept him out of uh, two thirds of the second half. Cause I think mm-hmm. he picked up his fourth with 16 minutes left or something, sure. but he did a, all of the guys did a terrific job on Baycott. He doesn't have to score the basketball. Now he's a threat. He's going to get some offensive rebounds. He's going to do some, He's going to score, but they just need to guard the paint because everybody else is going to take care of the scoring and Reed Shepard might be their best player. He's coming off the bench because they don't need him to start. Antonio Reeves didn't score in the first half. It didn't matter. Everybody else was. Rob Dillingham got going. They're just so balanced. And they're only going to get better. But to me, the big question was always, you see the potential. What does this look like when they actually have the size and are using this team the way it's supposed to be built? And what you're seeing is a team that has an awful lot of potential and is doing a lot of things that you don't necessarily, to your point, expect out of, of team built around freshmen and inexperienced players. They don't hurt themselves, generally speaking. The one game they did was Kansas, and they've learned from it because UNC made a run to get back into this game. They took the lead. It looked mm-hmm. like it might fall apart again, and they answered with some big plays from a variety of players, mostly freshmen, to hold on to the win. Getting that kind of win is also a big confidence boost because they had Kansas too, and it fell apart.
0: They should have beat Kansas.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the kind, that's why you play those games in November and December so that you get those experiences and you can learn from them come March. And that's exactly what you're seeing here is the evolution of this team.
0: If, if, if Armando Baycott only takes four shots in 31 minutes again, Hubert Davis should be fired. See ya. Goodbye.
1: And, and, that was the other part of this for me. If is, Cormac
0: Ryan ever takes three more, <laughs> three times more shots, respectfully to Cormac Ryan, who was good in this game. Who had a great was, game. Yeah. Yeah. Had a great game. That's not what it's not really about Cormac Ryan. But this was an issue last year, too. Like, like the, the, it is like one of the more physically dominant players in the entire country against a freshman, against Aaron Bradshaw and Trey Mitchell. Like, Bubba Cunningham should fire Hubert Davis. I don't actually mean that. But, like, like it, the answer is, like, right in front of you.
1: Like, I don't know. W- to be fair, and this is where I was going back and forth on this watching the game, too, is Baycott was touching the ball more than his shots and field goal attempts suggest. He drew a bunch of fouls, too.
0: Yeah, but he right. shot four free throws, so that can only be so true. Like, that he shot four free throws. He. It was two fouls, essentially.
1: Well, it was it was a lot of brett, I mean, specifically Bradshaw's fourth foul. It was just fighting for position, and Baycott beat him, and so he had to foul. It was those kind of things where it was just an inbound. It wasn't him even necessarily having the basketball, but he was a more of a focal point, I would argue, than those field goals suggest. I still generally agree with your point that he needs to be more of a factor. Because they, yeah, they're that was the thing that stood out to me is oh yeah, I mean the guards were phenomenal, and it still didn't really matter because kentucky just won the interior battle and that's not something that can happen that should happen when you have armando baycott in there
0: to be like semi-fair baycott's been pretty average this year he hasn't been very good he was three of nine against arkansas he was four of ten against villanova he was four of twelve against yukon like he hasn't been awesome um so i i'm not really serious about any of those things that i just said in terms of like moving to like a movement to fire (laughs) Hubert Davis. I'm not actually serious, but it just like, like I, I I just don't really believe that if RJ Davis and Cormac Ryan had gone, like had each gone four of 18 and four of 12, that it would have looked any different. Like, I think it just, they just got lucky (laughs) that, both of those guys had awesome games at the same time. Like, if they just have like n- more normal games, I guess that's a relatively normal game for RJ Davis. But if yeah, Cormac yeah, Ryan Davis has
1: been doing that pretty consistently here.
0: But if yeah. like if Cormac Ryan is just like six of 12, then this game looks even like this game isn't particularly close. So I don't know. I don't really know how to feel about North Carolina a month and a half in, into the season. Um, they have like, they like have three good players every night in some combination. And it never feels like everybody else is, like the rest of them are like, I think it's like, it's just that like they seem to have three good players every night and sometimes it's three different players, but some of that, like, you know, they were eight of 24 from the three point line. And that was with RJ Davis and Cormac Ryan going seven of 16. So that everybody else was one of eight. And like R.J. Davis, like there are like three other guys on this team that were supposed to knock down three pointers, mm-hmm. and that doesn't really seem to be happening. Paxton Paxton Wojcik is like the definition of I am unsure about anybody going from the mid major to the high major level. Yep. Like he's the he's the poster child this year. Um, so we'll see. Like I mean, of course they're they're ninth in the country this year, which is impressive. It's hard to be ninth in the country when you didn't start top ten. And you're, you know, you've got three losses on December 17th and you were top 10 in the April. It's impressive. Good stuff. Good stuff. I guess it helps to have North Carolina stable to cross your chest. But um, yeah, I, I think it'd be totally fair if you were optimistic about North Carolina still. And it would be totally fair if you were like, I'm not totally sure about North Carolina. I think it would be, I would think it's fair to be on either side of the aisle with the Tar Heels right now.
1: Yeah, it's weird because it clearly fits much better than last season. And the chemistry is clearly much better than last season. Mm -hmm. But what does that actually mean? I think that's fair. And with what Caleb Love is doing, did you end up losing more than we gave it, you know, acknowledged? I still think the answer is no, that it was in everybody's best interest to go their separate ways. Different conversation. But what does it mean for North Carolina? I think that's really ultimately the question that we still Never really knew the answer to it. What does it mean for North Carolina to be good this season?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Relative to what? Are you expecting them to be a top 10 team? Maybe they are. I would probably lean on the side of they're not. But this is also a team that missed the tournament last season.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They've played a tough schedule and they're doing just fine. They're a top. Tw- they're easily a top 25 team. Does that mean good? It's a, Yeah, it's a very strange. And they had the one game where they scored 100 points
0: yeah that's what i was about to say i was like would we be thinking about north carolina like how differently would we be talking about north carolina if they had either lost that game or won it like i don't know like 72 to 69 like if it hadn't been this like offensive explosion like kind of felt like by the end of that game everyone was watching it it's like oh my gosh north carolina just put up 100 on tennessee like i like would it be different because other than that they have they have a win over an arkansas team that's just bad That needed that that barely beat Lipscomb, and kind of got handled by Oklahoma in the last seven days. Like that's what that's what Arkansas has done. Um, So yeah, it's it's but they did have that game, and so yeah, they're uh, they're an interesting case study right now.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with and you. And I have
0: no idea how they're really going to factor in into the ACC. Like they could go and win it. They could also. Oh, right. Like, well, right,
1: because who else? Are we to the point where it's Miami? I mean,
0: no, I refuse to let it be Miami. I don't know who it is, but right, it's, not, it's a process it, of but, elimination but the front, But the front runner is not Miami. I refuse to. I refuse to concede that.
1: I would still probably, if you're asking me today, say North Carolina wins it.
0: North Carolina is number one at Kempom uh is the top ACC team ACC, at Kempom. Yeah. You want to guess where are they, they are been... right now? You want to guess where they are? They are the number yeah. 1 team at at, at 20. There is not a top 20. There's still not a top yeah. 19 Kempom team for for the ACC.
1: Right? I'm not sure there's a top 15 in the team in the country in the ACC. It's strange.
0: And Clemson beat lost to a good game against Memphis, but yeah. that was your that was your uh your other team in the top 15. Right
1: forgot about that. oh they're my gonna... bad
0: duke is 12th sorry duke oh. is just so far down the because now we're at the point yeah. where the acc like conference pages is, is ordered by conference record and duke has lost their only conference game yeah so i take a like fundamental
1: they're... issue with duke still being 12 so
0: that's fair. i also i also don't have any issues I don't have issues with that, but I also understand when it's, they lost to Arizona and then Arkansas and Georgia tech and true road games. So like, I also kind of understand why they're based on where they started the season. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. It just hasn't been long and we can react quicker than Ken Palm can. That's fair.
0: 87, um, 83, going back to Kentucky beating North Carolina um, real quick. Is Kentucky the best team in the sec or is that still Tennessee?
1: right now i'll still say tennessee
0: i think it's getting i think it's much closer on december 17th than we thought it was going to be and it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been kentucky i would have picked to be challenging tennessee for that Mm -hmm. throne if i were to pick before the season started i would still take tennessee just because i still think that yeah, all of the things we've talked about, about Tennessee and Dalton Connect. Um, I still I still think Tennessee's the better team, uh, but K- Kentucky is quickly approaching.
1: And the more consistent team as well. That True. would ultimately be the tiebreaker for me. It's on a game-to-game basis, I have more trust in Tennessee, assuming Dalton Connect stays healthy.
0: If the NCAA tournament started today... Oh. No, still Tennessee, still Tennessee.
1: Still Tennessee. Okay. Although if I'm putting those might be two of the five teams I'm most confident in right now. If, if I'm making a projection forward toward March in all honesty,
0: I don't think that's, I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. Definitely two of the top.
1: If you said pick 10 teams, definitely both are in there for me.
0: It's a pretty good point. Pretty good point. Uh, Okay. Last but not least, Kansas 75, Indiana, 71, uh, a game that IU led by eight after twenty minutes. Listen, Josh, you know how I feel about Indiana. Um, but it's it's hard to argue that when a big boy walks into Simon Scott assembly Hall that there there are fewer, there, there are not very many, if any, environments in the college game right now that bring it the way that the that that assembly hall does when a when a big game is on the schedule. Um, I didn't get to catch a lot of this game. But from what I heard, from what I saw on Twitter, it was a, it was an elite atmosphere and is a place that's really, really hard to win at this point. Even, even when it's a team like Kansas that I, that nobody is arguing uh, Indiana being in the same stratosphere as, as Kansas says, they controlled this game for large chunks, uh, but ultimately it was a bill self team. Uh, a veteran college basketball team with really, really good players, ultimately finding their way back to to win by four.
1: Well, Yeah, I went for a run. And so as I was coming back, I checked the score. And it was early in the second half. And Indiana was still, I think, up double digits. And I looked at the box score. And I went, oh, well, that explains it. Kansas' top two guys were both, I don't remember what the numbers were, but not shooting the ball well at all. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And they finished 11 to 27, but they got 38 points because Kevin McCullough kept going to the free throw line at the end of the game. Yeah. They showed up in the final eight or so minutes and made the plays needed to get back in this game. It, it just doesn't need to be more complicated than that. When they are bad, Kansas is bad. Then they were the best two players on the floor, arguably. And, Indiana just doesn't. Trey Galloway gave you should
0: never he lose a game had. when Trey Galloway has twenty eight on twelve to seventeen. You should. Did, you should never.
1: <laughs> he did everything he possibly could. He kept this game close. And credit to Indiana that even when Kansas did assert their dominance, Indiana made enough plays to give themselves a chance. Galloway had an open three that he missed after the possession. After I think it was right after he hit one to keep mm-hmm. him in the game. That would have been big. They had the weird deflection that got reviewed and Kansas got the ball that may or may not have still been in. It was a whole thing. They had a couple breaks that just didn't go their way that could mm-hmm. have made this a one possession, uh, you know, last team with the ball is going to either win or lose the game based on whether they make a shot kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Kansas just made a couple more plays down the stretch. Dewan Harris took nine shots, made a couple big ones. We keep harping on that.
0: 12 points. That's all yep. I, like, I right. like, like give me nine. Just right. don't give me like, I I don't want to ever see three from you in the box.
1: Never. It, right. It wasn't necessarily pretty from Kansas, but ultimately by the end of the game, they got to where they needed to with their big players. Mm-hmm. And the other thing for Indiana, as good as Trey Galloway was, that starting lineup is not good enough to survive with three bench points.
0: Yeah. Especially without Xavier Johnson.
1: Right. And that is part of this that you get to move pieces around and bring somebody else off the bench when you have him.
0: Yeah, Gabe Cups is not yet a starting point guard at the yeah. Big Ten level. I yeah. mean, he's he clearly does a lot of things well. And if he's at Indiana for four years, he will be like, he'll be part of the reason if Indiana in three years is picked to win the Big Ten. Like, Gabe Cups will probably be part of the reason why. But yeah. at this point, br- being able to bring a guy in like that off the bench is uh, a much more advantageous position to be in
1: you you just it, it's not like this it's an elite starting five that you can definitely ride with without any help agreed and that's right with trey galloway having the best game of his probably his basketball career at least his college career
0: that might be right that might be right now i don't know maybe yeah, maybe, maybe trey Galloway 52 was in
1: high school who knows i'm sure
0: yeah. like all of them probably did right but right. that's that's probably on the short list um yeah i think the same thing remains true with kansas like you're gonna get you, you like McCullough, Dickinson, and and Adams are going to like, they're going to get there however they need to get there. Like, if it means getting 21 points on 16 free throw attempts, like McCullough is probably going to get to somewhere between 17 and 21 points. Like, he's just going to make it happen. Um, and it feels like you can de- depend on KJ Adams to get you somewhere between 10 and 15 pretty much every night. Um, it's like somebody else has to, if it's Dewan Harris, awesome. Like on this particular game, it was DeWan Harris and they got pretty much nothing from anybody else, but it just needs, you need one more guy to, to be there every night and it can rotate. I mean, I'd love for it to be Dewan Harris every mm. night, but it does it for in the scoring department. It's just not going to be, um, Dewan Harris, Al Marco Jackson, you know, Johnny Furphy has had some some nice games off the bench. It just needs to be somebody outside of those three guys because yeah, I mean like I like I said Assembly Hall is absolutely the sixth man kind of thing here. It's hard to win there in Bloomington. But on the on the flip side of that same coin, you probably shouldn't need to stress as much as you did to beat Indiana. They're just not it's just not that good of a basketball team and they're missing the guy that they can put the ball in his hands and trust that he's going to make a good decision than Xavier Johnson. And um, that's probably part of why that Indiana ended up not winning this game is because they didn't have that guy to be able to put the ball in his gut and say, you know, get four yards for us over and over again. Um, But, but yeah, interesting game. Interesting game. Anything else on this game? Anything else you saw on Saturday, men's or women's? You got anything else?
1: Just big day overall for the Big Ten on the men's side. We've talked about most of the games, but also Ohio State beats UCLA. Purdue gets the statement when Michigan State shows up. Indiana has a good performance that comes up a little bit short, but they were controlling most of that game.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Just, again, you don't have that many opportunities left to solidify your conference. So for the Big Ten to have this kind of day on such a big day for the sport, that to me ultimately is the winner, it's just the Big Ten as a whole. And then you also mentioned that I wanted to mention that Memphis knocked off Clemson. So you've yeah. got a couple undefeated teams that took a stumble. Houston almost lost, but found a way to survive the fighting Wade Taylor the fourths. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, all both of those things were things I was going to to mention that Memphis adding Naquan Tomlin is is, is like that they, they haven't yet. But that's one of the more interesting, as we turn the page to 2024, that's one of the more interesting stories in the sport because Tennessee, I mean, Memphis, excuse me, is clearly talented, um, clearly um, a top 25 caliber team. And, you know, Tomlin is the type of guy that, you know, it maybe it will just like throw a wrinkle in there that makes them stumble. Maybe it turns them into the final form of themselves like we'll see but it is memphis has done enough over the last month and a half to make that a very very intriguing question as we we head into conference play like what does that team uh ultimately turn into over the next couple months and uh like you said houston did exactly what i expect a houston team that nobody talks about to do They, like, didn't do anything impressive, so no one's going to lead with it on a podcast. I mean, we're 59 minutes and 40 seconds into this podcast, and we just now mentioned Houston for the first time. That's, like, one of the, like, handful of teams in the country that's still undefeated. You know, like, in the top top 50, let's see, how far do we have to go? In the top 70 of Kempom, there are three undefeated teams. One of them's Houston. Would you like to guess the other two? That's a fun game.
1: Yeah, see now I'm trying to think. BYU?
0: No. BYU is 10 and 1. BYU has a loss ah. to Utah. Oh, right. You have a big 12 team and a mid major.
1: Oh, oh, Oklahoma's one. Yep. Forgot about them. They're gonna be a top 10 team tomorrow.
0: Chouts to the Sooners the fighting and Porter Mosers
1: to mid-major
0: mid-major that has a head that has a significant win in your neck of the woods this season
1: oh right 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 top 25 team James Madison that's
0: correct James Madison is 68th at Kimpom those are the only three teams in the top 70 with zero wins All Miss if you go all the way it is impressive to be an SEC team and be undefeated and only be 90th at Kimpom that's impressive
1: yeah I forgot. Yeah, they're still there too. Yeah, we yeah. talked. Yeah, that just, uh, and James Madison too. It is kind of funny that they, a team that was expected to be good, make the NCAA tournament this season. They go and they beat Michigan State. Everybody freaks out mm-hmm. and puts them in the top 25. And I just watch their scores all the time and they're just kind of eking out wins. Mm-hmm. You know, they're down in the first half, they end up winning by eight or 12. But they just keep winning. So they just keep staying in the top twenty-five, no matter what it looks like. It just makes me laugh.
0: Outside of outside of Michigan State, James Madison has not played another team inside the right. top one hundred. Come right?
1: I think they had a couple of overtime. At least one overtime game in there. They they
0: needed two overtimes yeah. three days after Michigan State right. to beat Kent State. Right, right. Um, they have wins. They beat Radford by three. They beat Southern Illinois by six. Um, the rest of them have been pretty convincing. They beat Keystone, a non D1 school, 130 to 59. Sure, oh, okay, there you go. Sure,
1: it just makes me laugh.
0: Um, they might go undefeated, dude.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: They only play Apple App State is 77th at Kempom right now. That is the only team that is the only top that is the only currently top 170 Kempom team they play left on their schedule. They're projected they – are, they are favored in all games left except on the road at App State. They are projected to go 27-3. and three. There you go.
1: And it'll be interesting. I mean, from a resume st- – we don't need to get into all of this, but from a resume standpoint, if they – let's say they lose once or they go undefeated and Michigan State is just meh. Yeah. That's your signature win? A, a Average Big Ten team? That's very that's very different than you. That's been in the top
0: twenty-five all year. Because if they only lose once, they'll be in the top
1: twenty-five all year. Right, right. That's very different than you went into the building of the preseason number four team. Yeah, that was supposed to be the second-best team in the Big Ten and beat them and didn't lose to anybody. Yeah, there's a lot of optic stuff that's very interesting depending on how the season plays out for both of those teams in terms of how the committee views James Madison.
0: Because you like you could have a week where you're where like some teams right in front of you lose and you just kind of keep on rolling and you end up like 13th in the country. Right. right. And the, yeah, there's very much or there's very there could very easily be a world where a top 25 team literally all season. Like maybe they stumble late in the year and then if they don't win their conference tournament, like that's a top 25 team that doesn't have a, a, a an, an at-large resume. You're Which just gonna have hope game that game.
1: right, if you win 32 games, that it's gonna and one of them right. was at the President Center, that it's gonna be enough. Right.
0: But it's not a foregone conclusion that it right. would be. It's interesting.
1: Right. All right. Anything else? That's all I got.
0: That's all I got as well. We are on the doorstep, ladies and gentlemen, of conference play. I believe Tuesday is kind of the official the official everyone starts playing conference games day. Um, yep, yeah, it'll be cool. There's a couple of interesting well, James Madison is going to get a test against one and eleven Coppin State, so put that one on the schedule. But Virginia is at Memphis. That's another good. That's another interesting game for the. two, I guess uh, Marquette on the road at Providence. Those are your top twenty-five games on Tuesday. Anyways, it will be. Uh, it'll be interesting. We'll get into conference play. Back to some weekly under eight podcast stuff. We'll have a grand old time, and we'll uh, we'll see you very soon. Please subscribe to both Jays for Days and the Under 8. Same podcast feed, same YouTube channel, all under the same umbrella. Um, Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and we'll be back uh, Monday evening. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh, he's Josh, and we will see you later.